I think so many people are having their mind like they want to be this person. And so it's like, that's the image they have. And it is one of the most limiting beliefs I think that you can have. Welcome to Hyper Curious, our weekly celebration of what's best in human beings, our curiosity. My name is Bita Luca, and I love that you're taking a precious time of your day to listen to us today. In this show, if you haven't noticed yet, I talk to the most incredible entrepreneurs, authors, investors, and kick-ass people I know, and they share their best insights and aha moments of their careers and lives with us. My guest today is Timo Armu, the 24-year-old founder and CEO of Fanbytes, his third company. Fanbytes helps companies like Warner Music, Deliveroo, Apple Music to reach Gen Z through TikTok, Snapchat, and Instagram influencers. Forbes said that Fanbytes is owning the mind of the Gen Z. Wow. Every time I speak with Timo, I leave the room in so much enthusiasm, even more than I usually do. Today, we talk about the difference between generations when it comes to caring about our data, how to explore the range of identities we all have inside us, and pro tips about building your personal brand. Timo is so good at that. Timo, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. This has been when you ping me the email, I was like, yep, this is cool. This is 100% I'm doing this. So yeah, thanks for having me. Nice. You're welcome. Let's dive in. Uh, your agency, Fanbytes, is specializing in uh, engaging and winning the hearts of the Gen Z, right? So you guys work with brands like McDonald's, Boohoo, Warner Music, Sony Music, and tons more. Tell us about Gen Z. What should we all learn about it? What are the interests? How do they see life? So one of the misconceptions a lot of people tend to have about Gen Z is they often go, you know, because I'm like firmly um, part of that audience and they often go, well, they are like completely different to everyone. And you're always like, well, actually, the main difference is that we are the first generation who have grown up with uh, social media at our fingertips. And so actually the big difference is we can amplify things that we like and things that we hate like like much bigger than the conventional um person than the conventional say millennial or anyone um, older than that so i found that to be the main key difference and then there are things like much more up for things like social activism and and for social causes but that tends to stem from the fact that we have this we have social media as a tool to amplify more things things that happen in china things that happen in japan things that happen in brazil we are much more impacted by that and that's the reason why we then get much more involved in things like social activism etc often people can go you know gen z are interested in social activism and this and that but like it's not like older people aren't it's just that it's much easier for us to be involved in it because the world is much smaller because pretty much our world is through the phone rather than you know through newspapers which are very localized and that type of stuff and when your world is through the phone and you expose to all of those things right how do you do you consume differently do you think differently about 
the way that you engage with uh, with brands and with stuff that you like with artists how how does it change your brain most of the stuff that you find so a lot of people spoke about this whole like short form you know there's this often thing that goes around saying like the average attention span of a Gen Z is like 15 seconds or all that stuff. And I often find that to just be, can I curse on this podcast? Yes. <laughs> I often find that to be complete bullshit. So you can't say the average attention span is 15 seconds, but that same person will spend six hours on Netflix. Like it doesn't make sense, right? So actually it's more about like the interest spans are actually quite different. So it's not the attention spans, it's the interest spans. And the reason why is because so many people, there's so much content there to watch. And so in terms of how they consume content differently, how we um, consume content differently, I think the big thing is just there's such variation of content that the stuff that really appeals, the stuff that stands out is always the stuff which which either really stands for something. So this is the reason why actually platforms like, say, TikTok, for example, have grown in massive popularity is because you can easily find your own niche in TikTok. So if you're interested in a specific type of content, they will show you more of that. And so things that stand for something bigger are always very cool, but also things that just don't seem like they took a lot of effort, like things that seem much more relatable. A very good example is, so I don't know if you've heard of this app called like Quibi. Have you heard of Quibi? Yes, they just launched, right? Yeah, so they launched and it was a disastrous launch because, you know, they raised billions to go and to say, you know, like young people were really trying to create content for them. And they paid, you know, John Legend, Chrissy Teigen, they paid all these huge people to create these polished content, which was like 12 seconds and 60 seconds. And I remember reading the article once on New York Times and thinking, well, this is going to fail because the audience you're trying to attract, the whole polish positioning never quite works so i've often found that to be the case um so those are the two things I'd, I'd, I'd put there so for the people who are listening who don't know quibi so quibi is the netflix with short movies right so explain to people what quibi is yeah so quibi was this well i say was as if it's dead, <laughs> it's not dead but Quibi is this um, streaming app which was meant to be where a place where you can watch these exclusive, like super short form videos and almost like super short films, basically um, brought to you by like celebrities and, and it was all a place for like original content. To me, I think Quibi is interesting, not actually because of like that. I think it's actually interesting especially if the audience hears a lot of like founders and CEOs and stuff. I think it's super interesting because they raised billions. Like I think it was like 1.3 billion or something like that, even before they'd launched. And the reason why they were able to do so well was because you had um, the two people leading it were Meg Whitman from HP and Jeffrey Katzenberg, who was like, I think he was like CEO or COO of um, Yahoo. And so because they had that as like a precedence, it was very easy for them to go and raise money, but actually the product itself was not a good product. It just sucked. And everyone in the press was saying, this is going to fail. And then they've come out and said, and so far it's absolutely tanked. 
and they are blaming it on COVID. And you're like, hang on a sec. So everyone is seeing an uptick because everyone's at home and you are seeing and you are going down because of COVID. And they say, yes, because people aren't like traveling as much. So they can't watch Quibi during. And I'm like, bro, come on, like stop lying. Right. The reason it failed is because you fundamentally did not understand how consumers are going to act. And it's pretty obvious. Exactly. And I think that's uh, that's such a good insight, right? Because a lot of the times you have those people who come from large organizations and they think they, they know it all about an audience, right? And I think there was something in particular to understand their audience that they didn't go deep into that. Yeah. And it's super interesting because I was doing some reading into it and I don't know if, so do you know who Mr. Beast is? Oh, I know. It's a YouTuber, right? It's a very big YouTuber. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like he is, he is, he is my favorite YouTuber. Like he's absolutely brilliant. Like he does this stuff where he's, you know, giving homeless people a hundred grand or buying a car for everyone I see today. Like just absolutely outrageous stuff. And he approached Quibi to create content for them and Quibi went, nah, we don't need your content. Actually, we're going to use, you know, John Legend and Chrissy Teigen. And it's like, in what world did you think that people would pay extra to just watch more content of Chrissy Teigen? But that is exactly what happens when you don't understand the audience and you think you do. And that's just what happens with the downfall. Like a really interesting story. It's about Vine. A lot of people think, oh, why did Vine actually, you know, tank and why did it not achieve success the reason why it didn't is not because of anything it's because on the 18th of november uh, like 2017 or something these three people king back amanda cerny and jeremy perp drank i don't think any of your audience will know who they are but those three were some of the biggest Viners on the entire platform. And they went to Vine and they said, hey, we are driving billions of views. Let's do some kind of collaboration where, you know, you put us in front for like brand deals and we'll actually get our audience to stay. And Vine were like, nah, we don't really need you guys. Go away. And within six months, platform tanked. Because even the people who create the product did not understand like the content people really watch. It's quite scary how often this happens. The power of the creators, right? Yeah. Yeah. People just, yeah, they don't get it. <laughs> they just don't get it. And and I remember when when we met, right? I, that's that's what impressed me so much when, uh, yeah, when we went for coffee and suddenly after half an hour conversation, I had so, so many personal branding about, you know, the life as it is right now, how we engage with uh, with creators, with brands and et cetera, well, with social media. And I think people just don't want to listen to that. And just, they just think that their old stigma and dogma are the ones that are going to take them to success, right? And you, you're proving it very, very differently with everything that you're doing. Let's change a little bit to talk about Timo as, a, as an entrepreneur, as, you know, a human being, uh, an ever-changing person. So you, you did a TEDx talk about identities, and I loved watching that. And I, I laughed a lot because if you haven't watched, if you haven't watched guys or whoever is, is listening to us, please do. It's, it's fascinating how uh, you tell the story of you evolving your identity as you were growing up. And I was thinking about that. So are we all very obsessed about defining ourselves and why do you think we are? Yeah, so 
fun fact, I have never actually watched my TED Talk. What? <laughs> yeah, I haven't, like, at all. I get people messaging me about it and stuff, but I've never watched it. And I've, I think I've promoted it once. And the reason why is actually uh, completely different is because they basically messed up the slides of it. <laughs> so there was a lot of, like, design behind it, and they just messed that up. So since then... I don't watch it because, like, part of me just feels like, oh, like, for God's sake. But but if people want to go watch it, be my guest. Get those views up. But I think so many people are having their mind, like, they want to be this person. And so it's like, that's the image they have. And it is one of the most limiting beliefs, I think, that you can have. One of my favorite books is a book called Psycho-Cybernetics. I absolutely love that book. Is written by a guy called Maxwell Waltz, Maxwell Matz. He was a plastic surgeon and he basically came up with the whole idea that, well, from his data, he, he realized that two people could come into his practice with the same injury. Maybe it's like a facial deformity. He would treat them the exact same thing. They would both look completely fine. One of them would just believe that, yep, I'm good, I'm back to the way I look. And the other will just act as if they still have that deformity. They will still act shy, they will still act that. And he realized that actually, it's not so much like physically, it's actually because the way you act is heavily influenced by just like almost like what you tell yourself to be true. So a lot of people say, I am this person, and then that's it. And it's like, well... Or people who say, um, one of the biggest phrases, I actually tell all my employees to like cut that shit out, is when they go, um, that's not me. So we say, hey, how about this? And it's like, well, that's not really my thing. And I'm like, Wait, what? So what is your thing? Like, it's just a thing. Learn how to do that thing, right? So yeah, a lot of people get really hooked up into that. And I'm just like, this is absolutely completely silly. It sounds like when you do that, you actually just limiting yourself to being one thing as opposed to exploring the world and following your curiosity. Yeah, yeah. And you also cheat yourself, right? Because it's like you could be doing so many things, like even in, I'm sure with you, like you've had to almost, you know, reinvent yourself every single time. It's not like the same you is the same you even like two years ago. But you'd be surprised how many people are just like, well, I can't do this, so therefore I just can't do it. And I find that to be such a limiting thing. Yeah, super, super interesting. You are 24 now, and by a lot of you know society standards, you are a very successful entrepreneur, and you have your brain kind of sparkling with different things and different opportunities of business all the time, right? So... Have you thought of joining a company before becoming an entrepreneur when you graduated? A hundred thousand percent. And actually one of my biggest, not regrets, because I don't really have any real regrets, but one of my things which I've actually said was I wish before. So Fanbyte is my third company and I actually built and sold my second company at 17. And what I wish I had then done was right after that, I should have then gone to like be in like the first, you know, first 10 people at like a company where I was very close 
in proximity with the CEO. And if like, that is one thing which I wish I had done. And actually, even after Fanbyte, I think I want to, the next thing, I want to be uh, like, you know, almost like the CMO or something of a company where the CEO is significantly more experienced than me and I can learn a lot. That is definitely one thing I want to do a lot more of because I sometimes think about the fact that being young and I just don't understand, like there's like so many things that I don't know. And the big thing is like, you don't know what you don't know. And if someone was there to say, well, you know, don't do this. I just be like, well, cool. I'm not going to do that then. <laughs> now I learned that from, you know, books and I have quite a few mentors and stuff, but there's, it's not the same as, you know, being like in the trenches with someone who is, uh, who has done it before and you can um, directly learn from. Yeah. And, and this clarity and self-awareness is super amazing for you to already have that, right? I think a lot of people wouldn't consider the amount of things that they don't know they don't know. And they keep on banging on the same mistakes over and over again, right? So that's that's super, super amazing. One thing I've said is like, I think unless you're building like rockets or, you know, trying to go to space or something, most of business is quite easy, right? It's like build something, find an audience who like it, give it to them and just do that over and over and over again. The hard bit comes in when you have to like, figure out how to like how to do it and one of my favorite um rappers jay-z um he has a line where he says like history doesn't repeat itself it rhymes and like i always find that really interesting because and in business it's like 95 percent of things that you're trying to do have pretty much been done by someone else you just kind of like need to know how they do that and then just put your own spin on it and i wish that i I'd done that earlier. So you already answered my second question. What was the biggest challenge that you you had so far? (laughs) Oh, uh, well, yeah. Not knowing what I don't know. But I think it comes down to, you know, something which I'm sure that you struggled with, a lot of people struggle with, is like the people side of things. So like being able to delegate, managing people. And actually about a year ago, I was like, yeah, I'm not really like a manager And I realized, well, that doesn't make sense because that goes against my whole idea of that you can change your identity. So what I realized was actually, I choose not to be a manager where I have to, you know, manage a team, but rather if I have, you know, five, six high quality people who I can just almost treat as like my extended team, that's the way that's the way to live. So I think that was probably the hardest bit. I'm, I'm still like learning about it, but the way I've solved that has been almost going, well, you don't need to manage the company. You don't need to even manage that many people. Just have like, you know, a few people who are like your extended arms and they can basically do it. That's a very good tip for anyone who's starting now, by the way. <laughs> Uh, hire very well, very early, and then you, you're going to be able to do to be whoever you want as a founder, right? 
That's good. Let's talk about personal branding. You, uh, you taught me a lot about that, and I keep on admiring the the way that you you defined yourself and you talk about your your lighthouse and etc. How you define yourself as a as a personal brand and evolving and and the very natural way that you look at that, not as something that is a perhaps one day I'm going to have, but it's something that is intrinsic to you as an entrepreneur, as someone who's achieving things in life, right? So what are your top secrets or top tips for people who are listening to us to, if they want to start building their, their brand right now, the personal brand? Yeah. So I think the three things, um, what is your lighthouse message? So what is the one thing that makes you so distinctively you? Um, so for example, again, I picked some stuff like Seth Godin. Seth Godin's thing is he's this kind of kind of weirdly eccentric guy who says like, you know, purple cows. And then he makes it seem like, oh yeah, that makes perfect sense, purple cows. Or Gary Vee's thing is like aggressive, aggressive, you know, fuck you, blah, blah, blah. You should be fucking working every fucking day. And, and you're like, all right, you know, <laughs> but I think what is your lighthouse message is definitely one of the things. And then the second thing is actually really paint who your audience is, like really, really paint who your audience is and realize that every message has to serve them and it doesn't matter if it doesn't serve them. So for a while, I used to be like, you know, trying to cater for just all marketers. And I was like, well, that doesn't make any sense because the person who's trying to market property is probably not going to really take much notice of what I say or much impact. So by then understanding, well, people who are trying to reach a younger audience is one. But then the other one is, you know, like I'm fully aware that other young people who may be starting businesses and stuff are also another one. But I had to get really niche and like define that. So those two actually primarily will be the key things. Like what's your lighthouse message? And then the third is just just read. Like read this book called Expert Secrets and it will just tell you how to do it practically. Expert Secrets. That's the name of the book. Yeah. Good. Expert Secrets. It's by uh, Russell Brunton. It's a very good book. Cool. Very good. Okay. Such a clarity again. <laughs> and I, that's what I love is like, if you're listening to him, go to LinkedIn and connect with him, follow him, whatever, because you're going to see that what he says is what he does. And that's, uh, that's beautiful to see. Okay. So let's do a super quick fire today. And today I, I decided to speed a notch a little bit this quick fire and we're going to do something slightly different than before. Instead of three questions that make people think a lot because they're very profound questions that I had before, I transformed that into 10 questions that I want Timo to uh, respond in one minute. So, wise or powerful? Uh, powerful. Overdone or underdone? Underdone. Influential or rich? Influential. Fast decision or right decision? Right decision. Specialist or generalist? Generalist. Generalist. Founder or CEO? Oh, founder by far. TikTok or Snap? Depends, but I would go TikTok for pure entertainment value. Slow and long-lasting or fast-paced, short-lived? Oh, fast paced, short lived, 100%. Managing people or managing campaigns? Managing people. Ah, 
Really? That was shocking. Oh my God, we already went over the one minute. Starting or growing? Uh, starting. Good. Okay, so you did it one minute, 16 seconds. Well done. One minute, 16 seconds. <laughs> yeah, the managing people to me is because as long as the people are high quality, high output people, managing people is actually one of the most fun things because you just brainstorm a lot. Like, like you just sit there and you go, yeah, so we should do this. Cool, it's done. We should do this. We could done. Managing campaigns on the island because, like, I'm not actively involved in the managing campaigns at all, but I hear some of the stuff and I'm like, oh, my God, that's painful. <laughs> but, yeah. Why is that? Because of the level of details that it needs to go into that, right? Yeah, and also, you know, I don't particularly, you know, it doesn't help that, for example, the campaigns and the head of campaigns and stuff have to then report to me Basically, they have to report to my COO who has to report to me. And my, like, standard of what is good is, like, so high that I'm like, you know, so we've, one of our long-term clients is the UK government. So the government use us a lot or, you know, Nike, for example, use us quite a bit. And it's like, to do a campaign which works really well for the government, you have to be at, like, level 200, right? Um, so... When you have that pressure and they also have the pressure coming from, say, the customers themselves, I can imagine it's, it's not exactly like, you know, the easiest job. Yeah, yeah, good. Wow. I was surprised about that because it's like managing people sometimes can, can be quite challenging, right? But I see why you like it. Okay, so now we're going to go into the game that we have been playing since the beginning of the season. And uh, if you have been following us since the first episode, you're going to learn, you, go, you know already about Olivia. And uh, Olivia is a fictional character. And she has been going through a lot of decisions and U-turns and aha moments in her life. And every single week, I ask my guests a piece of advice that they should be giving to Olivia, depending on the stuck moment that she's living at the moment. And of course, every single, based on every single advice, I evolve her story a little bit. And then the next guest will face another U-turn. So... Background on Olivia. She uh, graduated in finance, worked for a financial institution for a couple of years, hated that, couldn't change much of the organization, and then discovered her true passion, which was in marketing. She retrained, went into working for a large advertising agency uh, as a copywriter, and loved everything until the moment that recession came and she almost lost her job and had to kind of go through a, a little bit of a U-turn or, you know, different paths to go back to the path of becoming a great marketer in her life. And uh, she's, she now, I mean, not now, but she most recently faced a situation that she was in a really good path to become a creative director and she was loving that. And she had an opportunity to start her own company and it was an amazing idea that is actually going to revolutionize the advertising industry and she faced that decision she was like what should I do how should I leave right now should I stay how do I not burn the bridges when I leave the the, the organization and she at the end decided that okay F it I'm just gonna do it it's a time to do it now uh, there's no looking back let's literally burn the boats and face the ocean right and now she's about to start her company and she's like, where should I start? And she meets Timo and say, Timo, tell me, 
I'm super confused and I have like 100,000 things in my mind right now and I have no clue how do I start this business? What are the first three things I should be doing? So do you have information about like what her idea is? I So you mentioned it's to like change the advertising industry, but tell me more about the idea. It's uh, it's an agency that it's targeting uh, Gen Z. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, okay, uh, cool. and she, but she's not Gen Z, she's millennial, right? So bear with, bear with her, it's like, it's, uh, she needs to learn a lot. So the couple of things I'll say, I'd ask her to define exactly who her customer is, but not just, you know, my customers' brands or my customers that, like, even in that, what niche is she actually focusing on? And then actually, even in that, what niche is she focusing on? So the example I give is when we first started out, we really started focusing on music. Actually, so we started focusing on entertainment and then we went even niche down and then we said music. Then went even niche down and then we said, well, pop music. And that actually enabled us to very quickly win people like, you know, Bruno Mars, Ed Sheeran, like all these people, because we just focused on being so niche. And so that's actually what we did. And so I would give that first suggestion to Olivia. I would say, well, the first thing is like, who is your niche inside of your niche? Because if you're able to do that, then it's very easy for you to create sales material which is focused on that particular person instead of it just being, we do this. Actually, it's like, we do this for, you know, DTC brands who want to reach Gen Z, or we do this for RPG gaming brands who want to reach Gen Z, like being so niche. That's the first thing. And then the second thing I would say is find the biggest brand, find the five biggest brands, ignore them, and then find their challenger brands. So instead of going to, you know, the biggest person with the biggest budgets, I will go to the fast growing startup who wants to take on that big person in that niche. And I will go, I want to use you as like a hero case study, as like a hero client. And I would just do that across. I'll do that maybe three times. By the time you've done that, you would have grown a name and then you can then just like scale it across. And because everyone is part of a niche, like a really, really tight niche, it becomes very easy for you to actually then like um, get everyone on board because it's like, well, this brand is a this brand is a this brand did it. And you seem to be the thought leader in this particular niche. Well, why would we not use you? So that's pretty much what I do. Love that. Love it so much, Simo. Thank, thank you. I'm sure Olivia is going to be thrilled with your suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, with your, you know, wise piece of advice from from your your own perspective, right? Your own experience. Tell me about your latest project. Is that something that we should be know should know about you, or anything that it's uh, it's touching your heart right now? It's making you curious, or you think everyone should should know about? So uh, two things. One is a right. One is around the business, and the other is more about a uh, social issues. So around the business, what we've just uh, 
we've been doing this for just over three years now and we have collected a lot of data and audience data and so we've started now building our consumer products division so where we actually build our own products and then we and then we market it to a gen z audience and so far it's been an incredible success we launched uh our first well our kind of second product and which did like incredibly well sold absolutely crazily over um, two days um so that was pretty good so that's on the business front but then on actually the other front i don't know if your audience can tell from my voice but i'm a black guy so with everything going on with the blm movement i realized that well a lot of people were doing this hand waving and signaling yeah we commit to this we commit to that but not actually doing any real action and so what we did was we just set up something called the fanbase impact the fanbase impact program where we realized that actually especially in our world using influencers and brands that black influencers perform 2.2 times more than other influencers from a conversion rate but so many people don't use them because they don't fit the idea of what like what an influencer should be it's not even like actual racism it's more like internally when you think about you know the influencer like you don't think about them on the other side black owned um, businesses are some businesses who they're great but they suffer from a lack of like funding and marketing support so one thing we said was rather than just like investing directly into the businesses what we're going to do is have this impact program where we actually fund influencer marketing campaigns for black owned businesses using black creators so in that way we are like kickstarting an ecosystem because they are getting marketing support they wouldn't have had previously to take them to the next level and the black creators are also getting paid as well and i sent this out to a couple of my investors i said i'm putting in 10 grand into this and within two weeks the donor match to the point now we have 100 grand in the actual fund and we're just going to use it to start like funding a lot of uh campaigns so those are the two things which I guess are like pretty exciting right now. That's amazing. Yeah. And so much in need of the second one. Like, yeah, putting putting your money and resources and attention to, yeah, to where your mouth is. And that's an, an inspiration to all of us, right? That's all we have to be doing now, regardless of our, our, our color or, you know, our gender or nationality. That's, uh, yeah, that's time to change. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you, Timo. And how people how people should find you online? What is the best way to connect with you if they want to work with you, if they want to do campaigns with you, if they are creator wanted to participate into into the the program? Yeah, just LinkedIn is is pretty much the easiest way. Just Timothy Amu on LinkedIn is the way that I get in touch with people. Beautiful. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for the amazing conversation as always. Cool. This was good. Enjoyed it. Okay, did you enjoy the quick fire? I absolutely loved it. Thank you so much for listening so far. Make sure that you listen to other episodes. You can go to hypercurious.fm. And if you want to stay in touch, I'm around. I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram. You just search for my name and you're gonna find me. If you love this conversation and more, make sure that you also do a five star and leave a comment on Apple Podcasts if that's your preferred podcast app. It will mean the world to me. For now, ciao, ciao.